Conversations podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Conversations podcast. Today, I am with uh, Dina Kerr, Arabic Certified Interpreter and Translator, and we're going to be talking about uh, preparing for an assignment uh, in, in specifically healthcare settings and mental health care settings. Um, this is a part of a series of episodes that I've been thinking about doing. I want to talk to practitioners um, in uh, who've specialised in their certain fields uh, like legal interpreting or social welfare interpreting. And today I am very lucky to have Dina Kerr with me, who's been specialising in this field for quite some time now. Dina, welcome. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Fateh. How are you? Thank you so much. So tell me, how long you've been interpreting for? Oh, my goodness, 10 years. <laughs> 10 years? Pretty good, pretty good. We're going to give Time our ages flies. away. <laughs> Time does fly. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun. How did your journey to interpreting start? Uh, it's, it started for the fun of uh, and the joy of learning, actually. I was uh, employed uh, uh, at Telstra as a, as a, a solution architect um, in, in media engineering. And um, one day I thought, I, I think I could do something with my language. I think I've got enough to do something with it. I do a, a master's degree. I took an intake test um, for, for translation at, at RMIT and I got some positive feedback and, uh, and I, took, I took studying alongside working full time um, and, and then I just, I found the challenge um, really uh, interesting. I, I looked at, at language differently. I, I looked at the skill I have uh, differently and I, uh, I didn't think then of, of em employment options or, or, or work uh, opportunities. Uh, I just thought of the challenge of, of a master's degree, to be honest. Uh, well, and you ended up as an interpreter and specifically a healthcare interpreter as well. And um, there's a lot of demand for healthcare interpreters, especially in recent times. Um, and so I wanted to uh, take this opportunity to talk about how to prepare for a healthcare assignment um, so that, you know, maybe we're able to uh, give some tips there to our listeners. Um, but before I go into some of those tips, tell me, why, do, why does an interpreter prepare for an assignment? Why shouldn't they just receive the job offer and then go to the job and, and wing it? And why, why are you preparing? Hmm. Hmm. Um, I will tell you about the 5P rule. Uh, proper planning prevents poor performance. Um, <laughs> because when you plan for anything really in life, uh, in, in a project, in, in even just taking a simple task as in, interpreting as many could think that I could just wing it, um, it prevents poor performance. Uh, it saves you from, you know, making a mistake, from being embarrassed, from misleading your client uh, and the doctor or the specialist or the healthcare provider. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's a lot uh, that, that underpins your performance as an interpreter, and a lot of that is the underground work, basically. So the preparation, yes. 
That, that's right. I think it, it's key. It's, it's probably the most important thing is preparation for an interpreter, especially in a healthcare setting. We are dealing with uh, life and death situations, aren't we? I mean, at the end of the day, the, 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 the health outcome of a patient is in our hands and we have that linguistic power. So if we don't prepare, we are putting these people at risk who are already vulnerable. Correct. That's great risk indeed. Um, very good. So, I mean, tell me when you are, let's say you've received that job offer from whichever agency it might be, and, and they all have different style of job offers, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's an email, sometimes it's a text. I mean, mm-hmm. what do you look out for? What kind of information do you look for to help you with your preparation for a job? Um, I look at the the hospital, uh, the department, um, I look at the location, um, I look at the client's name, I look at uh, things like the procedure, which department is it, is it orthotics, then, you know, is it foot and ankle or are they doing something else? Are they doing a, a body brace or something else? So um, all these are important. I look at the time, of course, because I need to pick something that, that fits in. Uh, you know, do I have something before or after travel, etc. But these days, with telehealth and telephone interpreting, things are maybe a lot easier. I mean, that's right. These days, we don't have to think much about traffic and how long it will be from one job to the other. And perhaps we can maybe now fit more jobs through telehealth and video interpreting into our yeah. day. Yeah, we we can. But then also remember as well that sometimes, I guess working in health settings that um, you're exposed to a lot, um, a lot of diseases and a lot of uh, perhaps emotional journeys of clients as well, that we also, in all of that, we need to look after ourselves. So, you know, and know it's not to burn out as well. That's right. I mean, vicarious trauma is a serious issue for healthcare and mental health interpreters, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, I, um, I maybe a while ago, maybe when I started interpreting, there wasn't that acknowledgement even of agencies um, or, uh, uh, you know, uh, organizations that, that provide us with work um, to the impact that, that, we, that we face as interpreters, that we need to debrief after a session and we need to kind of offload emotionally and mentally uh, from, you know, seeing a client and, Fortunately, a few years ago, five or six now, they have introduced the, the employee assistant program. Mm, that's right. Yourself, you know, debriefing with a counselor or, or seeing even a psychologist, um, which is, I think, very healthy and a very positive step for interpreters. Indeed. And I think, uh, you know, you've brought it to my attention. We should do an episode just on vicarious trauma and how an interpreter can actually deal with that too. Um, so... Let's say I've, I've had a look at that job sheet. I've, I know which hospital, um, I know uh, which floor I'm going to, which clinic I'm going to, but it doesn't tell me what clinic is being run. I mean, I've seen job offers where it just gives me the hospital name and then it might say clinic two, and that's all the information that I have. And mm-hmm. how do I prepare for something like that? What can I do? Because I look at that and it's hospital and it's clinic B, so I'm going to prepare for health in general. So do I need to prepare for everything? How can yes. I narrow that? 
Well, we uh, like we can't be doctors, remember? Like we, we can't be uh, the specialists and we can't be the, the health providers and, and the counsellors and the everything else. Um, I guess that maybe one thing we we can think about when we're preparing for these assignments is that uh, the agency may not know much to, to share with you, but feel free, every hospital has an interpreter's department or a language services department, and you can you know, pick up the phone and call that hospital and just say, you know, can I be put through to that? I am booked for this session with this patient. And you give them the details and they kind of tell you, okay, yes, clinic two, you know, that's pediatric, you you know, that's on the first floor if you haven't got that information in the job details. Um, and this way you can kind of know, uh, you know, where to prepare yourself, you know, pediatric, what, what am I looking for? You know, what is that specifics of that department? Um, what type of an appointment is this patient? And you can say, I am doing this to prepare, you know, to know what I'm in for. Um, whether you are a seasoned practicing interpreter or a startup interpreter or, you know, a beginner in your career, it doesn't matter. It only just puts you um, at a better position. You know, you... You are prepared, you know what your job is like, you know who you're going to see, what is the procedure, and you could read up and prepare in the background before you go to that appointment. That's right. I think I think it's very important that we can tell our listeners and viewers, um, you know, if you don't have a lot of information on the job offer, you can call the hospital. It's very... Uh, you know, they're very approachable, especially if you call their language services and you say mm-hmm. you have a job at this date um, for uh, this patient at the clinic. Can I have a little bit more information about it? And then they can actually tell you what is being run in that clinic. Um, you know, I've, I've called hospitals uh, beforehand and I found out not only is, is, it, is it plastics or plastic surgery being run that day, but it's only uh, plastics for burnt people and it's only plastics mm-hmm. for um, breast augmentation, let's say, for cancer patients, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, and then I was able to specify exactly what I needed to prepare, you know, as opposed to maybe just even doing plastics. You mm-hmm. know? So That's I was right. able to concentrate on and, and focus on a particular area of plastics as well, which which made my life very easy and I was much more confident and I was ready for um, anything that was going to be thrown at me. I mean, like you said, we, we can't be specialists, but we do need to know a lot about everything. And even doctors, they don't know a lot about everything. They only no. know what they specialise in, but we That's right. need to know a lot about everything. Mm. And I guess maybe just to add to that, that, you know, investing that initial, let's say, five or ten minute phone call to a hospital to just kind of gauge where you could be going with your assignment, um, you know, saves you a lot at the end of the day and and rewards you by, by having that satisfaction that you have actually helped somebody because a lot of interpreters want to be interpreters because they want to help. Definitely. They want to assist that patient. They want to have an outcome achieved for somebody. And, and you know, if you want that interaction to be successful, then, you know, you, you want to do everything you can to make it that way. Um, so, yeah, it's really a small investment of, you know, that five-minute phone call, you know, maybe 10 minutes these days if you want to hold. But, but it, it, you know, it could return quite a lot for, for you. 
Um, so where does Dina Kerr go to for her resources when you're preparing? Are there, are there particular websites you visit? Is there a particular publication you read? Hmm? I love these questions because I am a seeker of knowledge, I have to say. Um, I really have something I've got. I could, I could start with, you know, the World Health Organization Arabic-English Medical Dictionary, which is in PDF format that you can get from the United Nations WHO website to, you know, to online. Uh, maybe the, the simplest ways that we can these days uh, quickly um, access information is, is online. Um, I, I am a big believer of um, uh, better health uh, channels uh, for all information in English. I visit hospital websites um, that not only find details about illnesses and, and departments and diseases and everything else in English, but written in a very appropriate way, in a very readable way, in a way that we can understand. That's right. Uh, as, as people who speak English and want to relay information in English. But I also uh, as well uh, look at, um, you know, other websites like um, Health Translations, uh, which gathers or aggregates a lot of translated material um, in, um, in all languages, not specific to Arabic, but there's like about 1,400 resources that's been translated wow. into Arabic. So it is a very rich language, um, you know, uh, to, to kind of think that I don't know. I don't know what procedure is really not an excuse because the information is there. Someone has done the hard yard for you, you know, and and written the that that uh, the process and have illustrations and a diagram for you to follow. So it's it's much more accessible and available than it used to be. Than that that kind of looking through books and and dictionaries. And, you know, interpreting, as uh, I'm sure you would agree, it's not just about words, is it? We're not just interpreting words here. I mean, we need to really understand the system, understand um, uh, the, the, the healthcare system, as well as the, the body systems, understand the disease, understand the treatments. Um, and, and I think that'll definitely aid in our interpreting. So, you know, building this knowledge over time um, and you know it could be the fact that every little preparation that you do eventually ends up being uh, you know your corpus of health knowledge um, but then you know you also I guess I'm sure in your spare time as well you do a lot of uh, extracurricular researches in into into medical um, interpreting don't you I mean it's not just yeah. about inter I, I find myself I might start researching for a particular assignment and then I might have lost myself for an hour or two going oh is that what that is you know yes, and I might be watching reading. a YouTube video yeah. on on a bypass for two hours mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. so like you say there's many ways to kind of really um discover that avenue of you know researching for an assignment um I mean uh, for me to also have the the pleasure of being able to teach again at RMIT, uh, having graduated from RMIT, but to teach at RMIT is also another way for me to kind of really keep up that reading because I need to be aware of a lot more um, 
I have a son who who uh, who frequents the Royal Children Hospital for some medical conditions. So I find myself as well, you know, I don't need to just know the English. I am also researching his conditions uh, in Arabic as well. You know, it might be a rare condition, but I'm also reading up and trying to keep up with a lot of things. And all this information is kind of stored in this bank that you can always go back and, oh, I've done so many mental health settings that, you know what, you know, talking about depression is not a thing. It becomes an easy process to recall the terms, the appropriate terms, um, to be able to express better yourself, whether in English or Arabic, for me, uh, in these situations. While some might find it nervous because I've not done this before and it's new for me to kind of be, uh, you know, expressing feelings and emotions. Mm. Um, so that's also another maybe leading us into, um, you know, beyond blue um, organizations like Black Dog, um, you know, I go back to Embrace, which is a multicultural me- mental health um, uh, resource as well online. Um, yeah, you you can okay. get quite a lot from from having that register, um, having that bank and 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 wealth of of language and words that you could use that you could recall and call upon when you are in these situations. Um, Just to give a little bit of a summary of uh, these resources that practitioners can access for um, for, to help prepare them, uh, we said Better Health Channel, that's a Victorian channel, a Victorian website, isn't it? So that could be specific. Health Mm -hmm. Transitions Victoria, Cancer Mm -hmm. Council, um, Health Direct, I find quite useful too. Um, Mm -hmm. Also for uh, mental health, we said Beyond Blue, um, and Black Dog, you said, and Origin, um, Origin Youth as well, I, I, I find quite useful. Yes, uh, yes, and, and Embrace Mental Health. Embrace Mental Health, that's another one, very good. Yeah. Um, now, of course, uh, as, as you know, when we're doing our preparation, we do our preparation in English and we also do preparation in our lot as well. In your case, it's mm-hmm. Arabic, in my case, in Turkish. Um, Mm -hmm. And and we have to do research on parallel texts as well. I mean, where do you go overseas to do your research? What kind of websites do you you look at in regards to your preparation in your specific language? Yeah, um, I like a website called tibtime, T-E-B-time, T-I-M-E.com. It actually has a lot of medical information, it has all sort of the human body, the different systems. It has illustrations and diagrams. It takes you diseases by organ to diseases by 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 letter, by, by name. Um, it's very detailed. Um, and I find myself, you know, if you if you're not sure about your biology, you know, download a biology book from year nine, ten, and eleven from your back home country because. I know, um, I mean, I studied in in Damascus and, uh, you know, uh, a great great resource, um, education is all in Arabic and and there's a lot of work that's been been kind of put behind the scene in these resources. So why not get your hands on a year 9, 10 
book and, and have a look at, at the different titles of, of, uh, of organs and, and, and body systems and things like that, um, all in, in the way that if, if you don't know, then, then you have the knowledge. Then you don't have an excuse to make a mistake um, or to mislead or to confuse even not mm-hmm. your doctor or nor your patient. Indeed. Um, I, I also find it quite useful when I'm doing some parallel text research. Uh, the kind of websites I always uh, find I'm ending up in is usually government websites, like it could be the health department of that particular country. Um, Again, very similar to Australia, uh, hospitals have really good information um, in regards to uh, diseases and treatments. And I also uh, find that um, uh, you've got to kind of keep things, websites that are more formal uh, so, like I said, it could be government, it could be formal institution. Education. Just got to try to stay away from blogs and more personal kind of websites, I think. Yes, don't use Facebook for information about a procedure uh, because that's not a trusted resource. I, I recommend always sort of, you know, government, uh, educational sort of institutions that you can somewhat, it's backed by science, it's backed by research, it's backed mm. by a government that's trying to ed- educate its people. Um, you know, always if you're unsure, things like Medicare, uh, you know, there's lots of, it is a government uh, body, there's lots of information in your own language. So don't be afraid to go and look up, uh, you know, what bulk billing might be. That's right. Because, you know, a lot of people are doing healthcare blogs these days and, and, and writing about their own personal experiences. I think we just need to make sure as interpreters, as, as informative as they might be for um, people who are in similar situations, as interpreters, I think we need to go to resources that are scientifically backed and vetted 100%. like, like 100%. government and institution websites. 100%. And trust whatever the Royal Children's website has that it's 100% true and that the the doctor you are seeing that day is not going to be too far away from what's written on the website. So, again, just backing up that that idea that, you know, everything that is uh, a a recognised institution or a a government department, that we trust that the information there is absolutely backed by science and by people who are experts. Uh, Dina, what do you do for ongoing preparation? Um, is there anything in particular that you do? Any any PDs that you've done, recommended? I love PDs. Um, PDs are great because someone else has gone and done the research and kindly given us the 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 highlight of all that, um, and then given us some resources to to also rely on or to reference, which is great. Um, I do, I, I attend um, uh, PDs, um, whether they paid or free, I see what, what also is available and I make budget for that because I think also um, if, you, if you're not going to, you know, keep up your own research, you also want to see what else has been out there and done, you know. There might be a speech pathology that I'm never going to be in touch with a speech pathologist, but who says that my next phone call or phone interpreting job is not going to be about speech pathology. I might need to know. So um, 
I think educating yourself and seeking knowledge is not is not just limited by by the job that you're going to do. It's it's an ongoing thing. You we have to evolve as in interpreters and really not just think my Arabic is enough, my English is enough. No, it is not. Uh, it never is uh, because who would have thought that with coronavirus that we would we would need to find the word for social distancing? Like that's right. But, uh, you know, that only came in 2020. Before that, it did not exist. So uh, we can't be in the dark about that part as well. Indeed. I think the, the most dangerous thing an interpreter can do is think they have reached perfection and they don't need to do any more. That's right. We need to. Um, and also, uh, you know, not be scared of sharing um, or reaching out to to a mentor, to a senior colleague, uh, or a senior practitioner, or or even to you know to seek uh, you know on a forum to seek an answer on a forum or something like that. It, I'm also a believer of having a network of people that you can rely on, you can reach to um, if you want if you want more, and you don't know where to go, then you know um, yeah be part of a network, you know, find yourself that network, whether not just practitioners in another language, but also in my own language. It's very important and it's very healthy. I mean, you're very right. Uh, it can be a very lonely profession being an interpreter. Um, and I think it's very important that we do find a network uh, and, and we are always in connection with them and and sharing our experiences and knowledge. Absolutely. I am... Um, I mean, I, I say to my students, if, if I could, that I'm in touch with, with my professors, that, you know, with my Arabic teacher from 10 years ago. And, and whenever I'm stuck for a word, even if it's after the, 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 the event, I'm reaching out and I'm saying, I need your guidance. You know, how would you say that? You know, I met some, some uh, colleagues uh, on, a, on, on a conference last year and, you know, I made some connections and then they're also great resources. I made you last year as well and you're yes. being a great resource. So it's not about the working opportunity. It's not about that person is going to return a dollar for me. But, you know, sharing that knowledge and increasing your wealth of knowledge is, um, yeah, is way greater than, than, than that monetary value, I think. Dina, thank you so much. It's been a delight talking to you and I am sure it's been very informative for our practitioners out there and I hope to speak to you again soon. Me too. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Dina. Be well and stay safe. See you, you later. You too. Bye. Bye. All Graduates Conversations Podcast.